Alright, so how are you? That's uh, that's the million dollar question. How am I? I've been, um, I'll be frank with you. I, I've been a mess since uh, my rap times uh, on Tuesday, Tuesday night. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, uh, I, you know, certainly I've been processing a lot, but you know, now that uh, my schedule is kind of clear, uh, I haven't had any kind of like auditions or anything like that since the time I got wrapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been, uh, you know, on full on uh, parental duty with my daughter. So it's been difficult because, you know, my daughter doesn't wait, like life doesn't wait for you, right? So it moves on and so I have to get right back into the daily groove of things and you know the whole daycare situation and drop off and pick up and and all that kind of stuff so um, like inside like I have all these bubbling emotions like big emotions things that I need to uh, process uh, um, or things that I need time to process yeah um, but like you know the the wheel turns so like I gotta just like keep moving uh, so, but, um, but it's, it's, uh, I've been, I've been pretty, uh, melancholy. I know. Um, I, I saw some of your, I saw some of the tweets, especially the ones for the last couple of days. Um, and everyone has been emotional. It's, it's like once one character wraps up, it, like, it becomes more real because you wrapped up. I, I saw when you sent out your tweet saying it was your last day. And then I saw Adam Barkin sent out one for, um, for Tom Ellison saying that it was um, his last day of filming. And then it was suddenly just the last day period. Right. So it's kind of like this yeah. little build up to, to dress. Yeah, I was so I was there on the second last day of filming uh, principal photography, and uh, for me, I don't know if you knew or I don't know if people knew. Um, I was there from like I was in the first week of filming back in I think August of 2014 uh, for season one, episode one, Bangarang that Michelle wrote. Um, and we were shooting out uh, in Oshawa on location, on location there, and uh, in, in this beautiful like property with like beautiful garden and stuff. Uh, so that was my first day. So I was there in the first week of filming uh, in season one, and you know there I was in the last week of filming um, this week. <laughs> yeah. In season season five. So. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I've certainly been there from the get-go, and so it's been a full journey, and um, uh, you might have seen the tweet, but, like, I was lucky to have the trio there, Hannah, mm-hmm. Luke, and Aaron, and um, it made it even more meaningful, uh, you know, to, to get wrapped out that way, so... Well, it's great that you were also kind of given the opportunity to do that because one of the things about Killjoys, and it's it's something that happens very rarely, is you you guys knew when it was going to end, right? Because um, unlike shows like Dark Matter, which was just like cut by season, when it was going into season four, um, Space, yeah. I, I get anything, I'm wondering, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fan outcry when a lot of fans were like, you can't like cancel um, Dark Matter and Killjoys and um, yeah. The Expanse too, right? So like yeah. we were yeah. we were all ecstatic that you were given the, the time to not only shoot season four, but to do season five and given the time to know how how you how the show is gonna end and when and that's a very rare occurrence in in um in the television industry right because usually once it's canceled that's it it's very rarely that you get like yeah, any kind yeah. of closure 
Yeah, that's why I tend to say it's very bittersweet because it's, uh, it's um, I've told certain people that um, it felt like I was doing a play because when you do a play, you know a definite opening night and you know the closing night unless it's going to get extended or something. Right. Um, so you, you definitely have the end point and uh, you go through the journey that way. Um, but, you know, that's why I keep saying it's, it's very bittersweet because we knew the end was coming, but um, I'm strict. I don't know how anybody else feels. Uh, but speaking for myself, now that it's hit us and it's here, like I, I went through it, um, it, it's, um, it, it impacts you because, because of the people that you have worked with, because you've developed these very special bonds, all these strangers came together and we made something and, and we're sharing it with the rest of the world. That's not uh, just uh, everyday, you know, stuff that happens. Like, no. It's not like if you're waiting for a bus and then you get on and then you move to some place and then you're in a new place. Like, it's not like that, right? So um, uh, it's been very, very special. Um, one of our camera operators, Sean Jensen, um, he's openly said uh, on Twitter and like to the cast and crew that in his, you know, 30 plus years of, his experience as a camera operator and a specialist uh, uh, steady cam operator that this has been the best show that he's ever worked on and so that says something about uh, our show and um, and that's the thing like for all the way from the creator Michelle Labretta to you know the current showrunner Adam Barkin and uh, you know EPs like Karen Trubetskoy and you know Stefan Zelensky and all these like you know line producers Claire Welland like all these like Trish Williams like all these network people executives and like down to like the PA you know production assistants on set like everybody has been an exceptional human being to spend time with and to work with to create something with and um, that's why like the impact is even stronger because you know like say if there was a, you know, a serious asshole on the you know on set or like in the production like then you go oh god like i'm so glad that it's over now blah 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 yeah but uh, because it's been so good and it's so much fun and and like every day i was on set like it's just it, it, i there was nothing but joy uh, of creating and that's the way it should be it shouldn't be something special even though the, the experience can be special with like people making it special but um uh, so I've been very fortunate that way, and I'm I'm so <laughs> I can't even begin to tell you how grateful I am to have had this opportunity to work with these all these talented, amazing, smart, intelligent people and funny people, and um, have have enjoyed you know the the, the adventure uh, thus far from like like week one. Yeah. Well, as a fan, yeah. I can honestly tell you that it's been a joy watching like watching it unfold. And the last four years have been great. And as a sci-fi fan and as a woman of color, like, this is something I had mentioned um, briefly to when I interviewed Tom as a as a person of color. Like I appreciate the 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 universe and the world that Loretta and all the writers and the EPs and the and Adam Barkin and showrunners have created because it's very rare that we get to see uh I guess you could say almost like such a cohesive unit 
on a show, uh, especially in sci-fi, because usually there, like, there's always one character that you never really like on a show and I can say there's very few shows where I can say that I've liked all of the main characters and Killjoys is one where uh-huh. I literally do like everyone like even Turin and and, and Fantasy is they, they're like they I guess you could say um, they they will be traditionally called anti-heroes but like I like them because yeah. I understand their, their I understand their perspective and their personalities and, and that kind of stuff so like it's one of this is one of the very few shows where I like the characters and then getting to um, seeing like you and like some of the other actors interacting online and Michelle, like I interact fairly regularly with Michelle on Twitter. And uh-huh. like, I like when creators and, sh- and those people involved in the shows be- get involved in social media and it, it helps as a fan, as a person to get to connect to the, not only the characters, but to help remind us that there are people involved in these shows and like there are things that may happen that I personally don't like as a fan or whatever, but I, it kind of uh, like re- reminds me, there are still people involved with these things. We still need to mind what we say and be, you know, somewhat tactful. Don't mind that may not work all the time with me, but still, it helps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean... I mean, you know, again, like, you know, everything that I'm saying tonight to you is, is I'm strictly speaking for myself. Yeah. And, uh, because uh, everybody's experience is different, but um, people have often asked me, like, you know, oh, you, you seem to be quite active on Twitter, um, you know, but, like, I was I was pretty active before Killjoy started. Right. Like, any play that I was doing, whatever, I, I did, you know, my best to uh, uh, promote the show or, or the work that I was doing. Um, so it wasn't anything new when Killjoy started. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, it just amplified that experience because uh, the net is wider or, or the fan base is wider because we also had sci-fi as one of our networks, right? Yeah. So um, it would have been a different story if it was just uh, Canada mm-hmm. uh, on Space Channel. So so that certainly helped a lot. And, uh, you know, over the years, like I've gotten to know uh, people that I've never met in my life, but i gotten to know uh, a little bit uh, online and uh, some of them I got to meet in Baltimore when I went to uh, um, the, the Universal Fan Con. Yes, the uh, Phil, uh, Fan, Fanco, the, the Phil tur- Fan Con. <laughs> which, which turned into White Comic Con, so I just yes. call it White Comic Con. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, there, uh, several people came out, so I was so uh, uh, happy to meet them in person. Um, so, um, and when I, when I'm active on Twitter, it's, like I'm not doing it because somebody like said something to me to you know push me to to be more present online or whatever. It's just it's just me. Like I like engaging with people. People fascinate me. So you know, um, like I'm talking like not just the good people, like good and bad. Yeah. You know, because uh, I've certainly <laughs> had my fair share of trolls trying to attack me and blah blah blah. But you know, it's like. That's like zero point zero five percent of the the entire experience. The rest has been just you know just fantastic and 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 um, and um, good. So I I uh, yeah I, 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 I yeah. sometimes sometimes I you know I I always have to check in with myself to make sure that I don't um, reveal too much or what, you know, whether it be my personal life or, or uh, about the show. Right. So I, I, I have to, I have to 
set some distance uh, for myself. But um, you know, no, like uh, on a regular basis, normally, like I'm just like, um, yeah, this is something I can share. I don't, you know, feel awkward about sharing. So you know, I just like send a tweet out or whatever. Um, so yeah, uh, overall, um, it's been great. And what's great is that like. Um, you know, people like Adam and Michelle, they had, they're, they're so, they've been so, um, internet savvy and, 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 uh, uh, you know, tech savvy even. So they've been very involved too. And I really appreciated that, you know, instead of like leaving, uh, the job or whatever, not really, cause it's not really up to them. The yeah. publicity, uh, but um, just like leaving it to the cast members to you know promote the show or whatever, um, you know, like the majority of of the time, it, the fandom is usually for the cast members. But I I'm of the mindset where like every time I go to a new set, I always try to um, uh, meet and and sort of get to know the crew members that I hadn't worked with before. Right. I get. I I make a conscious choice to do that, like conscientious choice to, you know, when I'm on set, just go like, oh, oh hi, so and so, like, you know, nice to meet you. Uh, what do you do? Blah blah blah. This and that, and and um, the reason for that is like the, the people behind the scenes, um, they don't normally get the get get the uh, uh, praise that they deserve. You know, because they they usually t- tend to uh, work longer hours, and and um, they're doing pretty much the, the all the labor work with the grip and the lighting and all all the other like set building and all those things. Like they, they put in a lot of work in uh, the, uh, as a part of the storytellers as well. So they certainly deserve their praise. So yeah, I, I try to be conscientious of that. So um, it's it's so nice when um, you know some of the crew members of Kilders have joined. Like even writers, like you know our Kilders writers, they have been really active too, right? Like Julian Doucette and Derek Robertson, uh, Vivian Lin, and uh, you know Andrew DeAngelis, and like Julie Puckrin, like Nico. You know, Trubetskoy and Adam mm-hmm. and Michelle, they, they've all been so uh, well involved. Uh, I really appreciate that uh, over the years. No, I can tell you, I appreciate it too, because especially um, especially coming down to the last few, I would say in this last season, um, when I, because I haven't really been involved in Twitter that long. I had a Twitter account for a while, but I only really started getting into tweeting and live tweeting shows in the last, I would say, year and a half. So I really appreciate when the writers of the shows, um, they they do interact with the fans, but also for Killjoys, um, particularly this um, last season, um, I since they said they've become more involved in live tweeting shows it's great to see when the writers give their they they kind of say okay this was how we this this is how this scene developed or when i was writing this scene this is how i thought when i was writing it and like i appreciate that right because it, it lends to me it, it lends more um I wouldn't say believability, but it, it, there it adds a certain something 
to the to the scenes like um one of the scenes that really broke me this season was when um Pip died and the writer uh-huh. I cannot remember his name when he he on the when he was he tweeted just before the scene happened he's like I cried when he was writing this scene and I'm like I appreciate you admitting this because this scene tore me up and made me a mess yeah. I was crying in my eyes I was just like what's wrong with you I'm like listen Pip just died and his last line broke my heart <laughs> but um, uh-huh. but like I appreciate when they do that right so it it uh, it just makes everything better and it just I think it's just one of the benefits of social media as I like to call it sometimes Twitter is a hellscape but when you have those kind of things happening it does make it worthwhile <laughs> yeah well you know in this day and age like it's it, the whole thing is an experience right yeah like uh you know back in the day when there was no social media you know where, when there was no internet it, you just you read i don't know a tv guide or something or mm-hmm. people magazine that's how you sort of like get the back uh behind the scenes stuff um, it, it, if anything even that 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 was all kind of gossipy kind of junk and it was disseminated <laughs> really? right yeah 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 so but uh, with with the uh accessibility of social media I, uh, like you, like for us cast members, like I sometimes I find out about certain things or certain <laughs> scenes or episodes, something that I never knew about when when the writers chime in and they tweet out stuff, right? Because <laughs> they don't they don't tell us everything. I we don't we're not we're not spending time in the writers' room going like, um, oh yeah, so that's what's going to happen to you know so and so character, like because we basically. You know, whenever there's a read-through of, of a new episode, you know, that's when we find out what's happening in, in the episode or what, what's happening to a certain character, you know? And uh, you mentioned uh, Pippin, and, you know, um, I believe I was there. I wasn't there uh, filming wh- while Pippin and Jeff uh, seen what's happening because I was already wrapped for the day. Right. But on the day of that scene was happening, like, uh, um, Atticus had several other scenes uh, for that episode so we were together and um, so I, I remember sort of like just being sort of uh, solemn and you know the mood uh, that is you know, on set yeah. so um, so yeah so I I, I I was there as well uh, um, but I love I think my uh, something's quite tr- staticky uh, so uh what was I saying? Yeah, like the writers uh, tweeting and stuff. Like I, I also appreciated it because um, I don't know if you know, but I've mentioned that I'm also a fan of the show that I'm on. Which helps. <laughs> like, Which definitely I, helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, it's been just uh, such a such a great uh, great experience. Right. Um, so I'm gonna get into. Uh, so we're gonna definitely get back to into talking about the show. But I wanted to ask you. Um, so I know you were born in Korea and your family moved to Canada. So how did you? At what age did you move to Canada? Um. Well, that's gonna be too revealing for me. So I'm not gonna mention the exact time okay, period. Sure. But but let's just say that I spent. Uh, Two thirds of my life in, in Canada. Canada. Okay. Yeah, and the one third of my life, uh, so my formative years in South Korea. Okay. I was born in uh, a port city called Busan, mm-hmm. which is where also Daniel Day Kim is born, surprisingly. Um, so, I mean, but he's like uh, two or three years older than I am, so um, it's not like we knew each other then. Right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. Um, 
my family moved to Canada. And uh, what was your question? Um, and how did you become involved in um, theater and acting once you moved here? Oh, geez. Like, um, this is the story. Um, when I was really young, like, I don't know. I don't know how. I forget how old I was. Um, my whole family went to uh, see this a South Korean film like at, at the movie theater mm-hmm. and I was so mesmerized by it was about um, uh, kids who lost their parents I don't know what the title of the film is it's a very old film because um, you know I'm, I'm, I was born in uh, early 1970s so <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm an old dog <laughs> Or so, 
I was heavily train, training in uh, martial arts, and uh, so I entertained that idea quite seriously. Like I was, I was having uh, all these one-on-one uh, special um, uh, expedited uh, course uh, training course with my uh, grandmaster at my martial arts studio, um, learning all these like special techniques that my uh, at my level he wouldn't normally teach. Okay. So this is um, uh, so, the hapkido, right? Or so you're learning something more advanced. It's called it's called kuksulwan uh, hapkido. It's uh, it's the, the, the this fighting system is very traditional. It's not flashy as like uh, taekwondo or um, it's it's very like it's it's almost like kung fu like because we have all these like animal movements and, and oh, okay. the stances are very low. Uh, we have a lot of different weaponry, um, and, and uh, so it's a very traditional form of uh, fighting system. Um, you know, we do joint locks, kicks, throws, um, you know, again, weaponry and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I was training really heavily, and then, um, so I, this was like shortly before I went for the physical test for the uh, police force to, to enter the police academy. But then... Um, and then I was going through like four or five different aptitude tests with my guidance counselor at high school and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And so I was interested in like things like architecture and like the arts, music. And I, I was also entertaining uh, going to a business school. So what happened was um, I was getting I was gearing up to become a police officer. But then my older siblings were already in post-secondary educa- uh, institutions. Uh, um, like studying right. at universities and um, so I was like you know okay well right now the affirmative action is quite strong and they're really welcoming and stuff like that but what if I become a police officer and then end up being like a beat cop for the rest of my life mm-hmm. you know because I I, I I certainly had my taste you know my fair share of racism uh, uh, you know uh, growing up in Canada and stuff like that so so I was like, you know, what if I get prejudiced and, you know, like I get, you know, pushed to the side and I don't get to do all the, you know, the stuff that I want to do. And, um, and becoming a detective was actually my sort of uh, strong sort of um, idea that I had uh, just solving problems and stuff like that. I'm, um, I'm quite into it. So... So then I, I changed my mind. I gave up on the idea of becoming a, a police officer in Toronto. And I also entertained like becoming an OPP or RCMP officer as well, not just a Toronto police officer. And then, um, so my martial arts training continued, but I decided to go uh, apply for uh, a university somewhere. And um, I applied to uh, the BBA program at York University, right. which is at the uh, northwest end of Toronto, um, business of uh, no Bachelor of Business Administration, which is now called the Schulich uh, School of Business, which oh, is quite yeah, renowned. Yeah, yeah, and I I had the uh, entry scholarship of like I don't know a thousand dollars or something like that. <laughs> well, uh, and it was a lot. Yeah. Yeah, so so I, I I got in, so I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go do that. I'm gonna you know register there, and then like on my way to registering, I saw this notice for the theater program stuff at York, and at the time, York University's theater program was quite strong and quite well known. 
And also, and I was remember I was doing waiting for Godot, and I was like loving every minute of of it. And I was like, oh, what the heck? I'm, I might just like you know try try and try out and <laughs> audition for this for this uh, program and see what happens. So uh, I didn't tell my parents <laughs> that I was doing that, and I just you know went and auditioned, and then I ended up getting accepted into the program. So, like at the last minute, like I changed my majors from business studies to to theater. So <laughs> on a whim. Uh, yeah. So um, even though like the the burning desire of becoming or being an actor was in me, like I couldn't really let that on, you know, in front of my parents and stuff like that. But like my um, my dad, like he, uh, we were quite close, and um, my dad was pretty supportive of me and. He said, "You know, you can do." And me being the youngest in the family, I think they had more of a leeway. And I tend to hear that a lot from other families or my friends who are, you know, youngest child. Like they go, "Oh yeah, you, you can just do, you can do whatever you want." Because we got other people, <laughs> other kids who have, you know, gone to become a lawyer, a doctor, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that certainly had a, a sort of a. a a bit of a contributing factor. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I got in and uh, I studied for four years there. I got my uh, degree and and then um, shortly after I uh, graduated, uh, they, there was uh, an open call. I didn't have an agent then when I graduated from my theater school. And um, the Broadway musical uh, Rent was coming to Toronto. Uh, Mervish Productions was doing it. And so there was an open call. And so I brought my guitar in the middle of the winter. Uh, at like 4 a.m., I you know, had a mug of coffee. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was in my, you know, parka or leather jacket or whatever I had. and bundled myself up and I brought my guitar. And I stood in the line like from like 3.30, 4 a.m. in the morning because it was an open call. Uh, to make sure that I had a spot, so I was like like the the seventeenth or twenty first person in the lineup. So I waited until like nine a.m. The uh, people arrived, the casting director arrived, and uh, I had my time. I went in, I sang my song with my guitar, and then I got a call back. And then I so fast forward, I had like I had like several callbacks, and my last last callback, like I show up to this callback audition with my and this was like for a panel of like 20 people or something like all the new york broadway people in toronto mm-hmm. um you know selecting um casting uh, these people and all the like you know toronto director toronto music director and like all these like toronto casting director new york casting director new york producers and mervish mervish uh, production people and uh, it was at this like huge ballet rehearsal hall uh, and I was just there in, in the middle of the room and all the way down at the far end there's like a panel of like a sea of people all across the table and I did my thing and funny thing is when I showed up um, there were like all these like eight or nine beautiful like chiseled like you know swell sculpted um, light skinned black male performers right mm-hmm. so I show up and I'm like um, and, and I look at the sign in sheet and they all had the character name uh, the role that I was being considered for was Benny the landlord guy um, right anyway, so uh, 
And I'm like, am I at the right audition here? Like, did I get the the, the location wrong? Like, what what happened? And uh, so I got to talk to one of the guys who was getting ready, and uh, he said he was going in for Benny. And and someone told me that um, they were trying to follow the New York's uh, the Broadway casting scheme casting and pay right, gigs. Yeah. Tay Diggs was doing uh, the role of Benny, playing that role, yeah. and um, so so that's why like all these like gorgeous, like tall, like muscular, <laughs> and just model like beautiful looking people who get sing and the, who are like triple the threats, right? So I'm like, and immediately I got so dejected. I was like, what am I doing here? It's like I'm, you know, what's happening? But I was grateful that they were willing to give me a shot. Uh, and then it's like, like I was the only Asian person there, like <laughs> literally. Uh, but then um, the casting director uh, for that musical um, was really good to me, and she she sort of like got me connected with an agency in Toronto, and then so I signed on with them, and then like I started auditioning for all these like you know, quote unquote professional stuff, like the real stuff, like you know, um, uh, commercials, and I started small. Right. You know, and then I gradually like moved uh, my way up. So yeah, that's how I got into uh, acting. Well, no, <laughs> then, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, especially when you twenty plus twenty plus years later. Yeah, you're still going strong, and it's interesting when um, when because you said it was on your seventh callback. Because even though like you said they were the most the the they were going based on the Broadway casting, which was um, for that character is like mainly black men. But it's so interesting that they kept calling you back because you said that was your seventh callback, right? And 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 being the only Asian, I'm sure like you would have been as you said like what the heck is going on. But I think it's kind of interesting because. When you have, um, I think Rent at that time was one of the few Broadway shows that has such a diverse um, cast, right? Because you had Latino, you had Latinx people, you had black, you had yes. black, right? So it's still, it's, it's, so it's interesting. And like, um, I'm wondering if now, if I would say Broadway's, yeah, Broadway's getting more. Um, I think there was a part at a time where it wasn't as diverse, but now we're getting back into like, shows having more diversity in like you have Hamilton where um, Lin-Manuel when they first started it they purposely cast people um, of different ethnicities in the main characters and even in the backup and even in the background characters right so is um so it's, it's interesting you, it would have been a, a odd thing to see then but now it's not to see where you have people of all ethnicities going up for the same role so yeah because the perception changes so yeah. back in the, like 20 21 22 years ago he, you know, the, the viewpoint was a lot uh, more archaic, for lack of a better expression. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there, there, there was a movement or there was this uh, consciousness about, you know, diverse casting. And there, there, were, there, was, um, there, there were people who were starting, uh, starting out as, as writers and directors and actors at the time. But it was only, like, there were only so many people, you know, compared to now, of course, like, you know, and I always chalk it up to the fact that um, the generations of the parents are different mm -hmm. because, you know, the older generations, they had to uh, struggle a little bit more economically, I think. So they wanted their children to become something more, uh, you know, stable, as it were. Um, but now they, it tends it, they tend to be a little bit more liberal with what they're what they let their kids to uh, to do or to become because they don't have to worry so much about 
stuff economically. Am I making sense? No, I know. So it makes bit- sense. Yeah. And, and now, as we say, um, especially when we talk about like film, um, TV shows and film in particular, where we say, when we're talking about representation, we're always saying, if you want to make money, you have to give us what we want. And what we want is representation. Like, everyone wants to see themselves. It can't be a homogeneous um, existence on screen, right? Like, and that's one of the beautiful things about um, a show like Killjoys, where everyone is diverse and i think and i think part of it is because it's filmed here in canada because can toronto especially is very multicultural and multi-ethnic and so uh-huh. it's reflected in the casting right and so from the main yeah. characters straight into the background characters and all the extras um even like the beginning of season three we had people with disabilities exactly. and i thought that was i thought that was just fantastic exactly you had a whole a whole a whole um I, what's the word I'm looking for? A whole sect of people that were, um, that had disabilities and they were missing and they were like people with like missing arms, missing legs and uh, uh, were there the mods? I can't remember. I'm trying to remember the correct word, but um, but yeah, it was great to see that and, and to see that they're- Tech mods. Yes, right, and to see that they're, for them, it wasn't. It wouldn't be what we call disability because this is like for the future, and it's like not called a disability. Like this is just who they are, right? And and yeah. it's, and it's a part of their culture, and it's almost like a culture, right? And it's almost like how we would have a like I, I'm from the Caribbean, and we have us every island has their, has its own culture. For them, that they have their own culture, and it's great to see that developed on a TV show. And even yeah. with the casting, like a lot of the casting, everyone is like there's people of different ethnicities. There's you, you're Korean, and even though that's not mentioned in the show, but we as we as viewers and audiences we know and then you have um uh, uh Nguyen, who plays um Dalsea. she she's a uh, mixed and Hannah John Cameron she's mixed and then we like you know what I mean so it's like for me as a black woman I, I love seeing this on Tom, TV Tom Allison is also mixed yeah. exactly right so I love seeing like yeah. all these different people with different ethnicities and different cultures and um, backgrounds working on a show yeah. and to see it not only reflected in the casting but also in the show itself because um you have the people of Westerly and people of Westerly they all came from like all over the the galaxy basically and they all and it's like all one big um melting pot right and like for yeah. them race yeah. uh, race and gender and doesn't isn't a big factor there, there's things like classism because you have like the um the the Qureshis, like they still believe in like you know prosperity and all that kind of stuff but they don't have to worry about things about whether you're black or white or whatever that doesn't matter to them right so that's all that's all credit to michelle labretta exactly that's she, one of the she's about. the one she's the one who created this world and uh she said this many times where uh, you know, like in interviews and stuff like that, um, we're just beyond that shit. You know, we're beyond that kind of like, exactly. Um, you know, that kind of uh, social issues, right? And, um, and and it's and it's very and it's very um impactful to see. Like it was, I mentioned with Tom because like his um pre's relationship with Garrett is exact. It's accepted at face value. Like there's no big. It wasn't like this big deal for them it, their relationship just is and that's uh, and like that's one of the things like things that happen like relationships in the show those are just accepted yeah and you know I, I mean you know I, I, I always my back always go up whenever uh, you know all these like ethnic uh, topics come up or ethnicity topics right like um, you know, whenever people sort of identify me as, oh, you're 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 a Korean actor, but well, yes, biologically I'm Korean, but culturally I'm Canadian. Exactly. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. But but that's not that's not to say that I want people to forget about who I am or my my uh, my background. It's not to, it, I don't I don't want to I don't want to dismiss you know where I come from. But mm-hmm. at the same time, because all my life I've experienced this alienation or sort of like some like being this other like in the mainstream point of view especially as an actor like yeah you're the you're the ethnic person you're the something different you're you you, you're the uh you know not something not normal (laughs) no i get what you mean i get what you mean so so i've i've always had this um alienated feeling so i i i have a sort of a sort of obviously different point of view and um so it's it's a very delicate issue for me because I don't want people to think that uh, um, I just did an interview with uh, Tanavi Patel who did uh, my M Buzz. Uh, I think she tweeted it like a couple of days ago, yeah. and she, uh, she identified me as Canadian slash South Korean, and you know which is which is uh, I think she did that you know uh, respectfully yeah. just to uh, just to make sure that people understand why I'm instead of going like oh, what is it? Is it Japanese Chinese like oh, you know. Um, <laughs> So I, I get that, but again, it's it's not so black and white. It's always gray because, like, living and growing up and living in Toronto, like, I still to this day, like, I get you know random racist, um, you know, getting in my face and you know whatever, right? Yeah, yes. um, so, so like, for me being different, um, it had I've had more negative experience of being different than positive, right? So. But then, but then, I don't want my identity to be dismissed or uh, erased or you know just like put aside. Like that is important. So I really hope I'm making myself no, clear. I don't, because no, I understand what um, you mean. You just want. You just want. We can. We can. We can get into a huge um, social political debate <laughs> about what does it mean to be Canadian, and that's happening right now in oh, like yes. in real time. Mm-hmm. People are going. You know, oh, Canadians being a Canadian means like the European descendants who settled here. You know, but I'm like, no, but that's not what Canada was before you guys arrived. Exactly. You know, there there were all these Aboriginal peoples. You know, in fact, you know, like traveled all the way from uh, Asia. So I'm more related to the Aboriginal population (laughs) than 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 you are. Exactly. So so. Like if you're if you're talking in those terms, then you know historically speaking correctly, then I'm more Canadian than you. Exactly. So like what you know what I mean? I know I, so, I I know what you mean exactly. It's the same thing. I like I like you know I talk about this stuff uh, on Twitter a lot about um race racism and race and like so as you mentioned like social justice issues. I talk about this stuff a lot on Twitter, and I do I yeah. I know what you mean perf- I know what you mean where you say you don't want your ethnicity to be your necessarily your main identifier and i get that because for me is is like you just want to be as an actor you you're like i'm an actor i you don't you don't want there to have to be a qualifier say okay he's canadian south korean you just want to be sean actor and i get that And and I I wanted I for us as a society i want us to get to a point where where we just say um Sean, Sean actor, our Carolyn writer. I don't want like, but we, but we're not there yet, unfortunately, right? Because, um, 
we're gonna move past this, but like I, I, I get what you mean because okay, for instance, like we have films like Crazy Rich Asians <laughs> and Searching, and we're taught and we have to be like we have films centered around Asian um Asian characters, and like it's such a big deal now for for everyone because it's something that very very rarely happens, and it has to be. I think it has to be a big deal now for it to not be a big deal in the future. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and, and generally the the attitude that I've gotten is that oh, so you, you know, like you weren't born here, so and like when I'm talking to a younger people, like people from younger generation, like twenty years, like fifteen, ten years, but younger than me, yeah, like I spent more time in my life in Canada than they've been alive life. the entire time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, so for them to think that oh, you're you're still a foreigner, or like they they look at me in a different way. It's it's paradoxical. It's like exactly. it's it's ironic and it's wrong. It's it's weird because it's like guess what? Like before you were even born, I was doing all this shit in Canada. <laughs> exactly. You know, like going through life. Like so, it, it, like, it's like, kind of you, you see you see what I mean? I like, know. I get I get you completely. Trust me. As as an immigrant. Yeah, so, so again, think, like yeah. I, I've normally, I've normally felt uh, like because we get into this whole thing of like, oh, do you speak Korean? Mm. Or oh, like, how well do you speak Korean? Do you do any kind of like Korean stuff? Like, <laughs> yes, like there are like certain things that I do in a Korean way, I guess, especially when when I'm with my mom and stuff. Yeah. But like even then, like I have such a hard time communicating with my mom because obviously she speaks mostly Korean and my Korean is pretty bad and like I have to really for shame, search for uh, my basically my vocabulary uh, level <laughs> is like when when my family moved to Canada so like I'm talking like a friggin you know kid when I'm talking to her right even though, like, I'm, I'm a full-grown adult who has a, who has a daughter, like, um, so, so like all that kind of stuff. And then, um, let me put it this way: like, people tend to ask you, in my opinion, a little bit. I know it comes from a genuine interest. Yeah. I know they wanna, they're curious, they wanna find out, they wanna know about you, but most of the time. It comes as a little bit as a as an alienating sort of thing because yes. like you, you're being seen as this exotic being, something different. Oh, I know. And, I, I relate to that. You know, I relate to to that completely. As yeah. someone from the Caribbean, I I yeah. still to this day I still get people. Canadians particularly, and I should say North Americans in particular, they're like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Barbados. Is that, I, no lie, I've gotten, is that in Jamaica? I'm like, no, no, it's not. Right. And then I get the questions, oh, what's your native language? I'm like, English. No, what's your real language? I'm like, no, English. But how come colonial, um, colonialism people, like, go and, be, go and blame the yeah. British. This is why I speak English, right? So I understand what you mean, where people are, where it's like, you, you people like look at you and they're like trying to figure you out. And I'm like, and like people still are, I'll be like, what should I refer to you as? I'm like, I'm black. I'm not. I don't. I don't see myself as Barbadian Canadian. I'm Barbadian national. I'm like, I consider myself Barbadian and Canadian. Like, but it's not like a, a an identifier for me. I'm like, my main thing is I'm a black woman. Like that's what I see myself as, and and I'm a Barbadian and a Canadian. But like, I I get what you mean, right? But it's like sometimes it's like cool people. Like just like. Stop trying to figure me out. I'm not a puzzle that needs to be figured out. <laughs> like, just as, yeah. see me as I am and accept me as I am. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I get the sort of, like, 
the Asian American uh, experience, or I should say Asian North American, you know, going all the way back to like the railroad building days, like there, there are uh, some Chinese Canadian or Chinese American populations that are like fourth, fifth generation mm-hmm. now. They're, they have been here just as long as any, any Joe Schmo, you know, yeah. even longer, right? So, and people don't know, people don't, people who don't, who don't have interest in history, exactly. they probably don't know, or right? Don't care to know. So, so just because of the visible difference or differences, they just assume that you are from elsewhere. Yeah. Does that make sense? Even no, though they it, speak yeah, fluent English, they, they, they have no problem getting around or whatever. And all these like, you know, stereotypical um, stigma is attached to being whatever, whatever the ethnicity may be. So, so yeah, so it's um, just circling back. Um, it's a bit of a touchy <laughs> subject for me, but I'm not afraid to talk about it because it's such a such an important discussion we need to have on a daily basis because we can't just talk about it one moment and go, oh yeah, that problem is solved. Yeah. Like, no, it's not because it's it's like all the discrimination that all these Aborig- Aboriginal kids are uh, getting, like in their, you know, uh, um, uh, reservation communities, uh, like, it's 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 atrocious, right? No, it is, and I can tell you, it was a culture shock for me when I first moved here because I read about it, but then to see it in action, I'd be like, hmm, like yeah. you know, Canada has a lot to work. Canada has a lot of ish it needs to work on and it needs to work on, but we we just have to keep working on it. And so, yeah, um, so. so- going back- Going back to Killjoys, though, like that's why I, I I loved being in that world even more because, you know, you see me as this Asian person per se, but, but at the same time, like we don't spend a scene or an episode talking, talking about, about where I come from. Like it's like, oh, I'm different from you and therefore blah, blah. That's not, that's not where the drama comes from. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this so that's what I loved about Killjoys. And I, this is something that I certainly didn't know when I was first starting out on the show, right? Like, I, I just, you know. And in my career, um, there have been several roles uh, for shows like uh, Republic of Doyle or Regenesis that Make a Wen was uh, a, a series regular on. Like, I've had directors who cast me simply because they thought I was the best actor for the role. Exactly. Even though, even though the role wasn't Asian-specific, mm-hmm. like even the character names, like, you know, Bradley Channing for Republic of Doyle, like it, it was, when I got the audition call, it was, it said, beside the character name, it said open ethnicity. That means like Caucasian people, black people, brown people, Latino, like Asian people, they, they all could audition. And, you know, on the day of an audition too, like about, I, I, I've seen all you know, all these uh, uh, good actors who who were there, like who were white and, you know, Latino and, you know, East Indian and myself and like, you know, everybody. And I ended up getting the role. And so I, I'm, if I may say this, I'm, I'm quite proud of the fact that I was able to get cast in those roles because that's moving forward. That's like, you know, that's uh, advancing a little bit. You know, right. same thing for Regenesis. The, the character's name was Marlon Wasser. It's not Marlon Chang or Marlon Lee or Kim, you know, like, and even after I got cast, 
they didn't change the character name because right. they, they thought that the writers and the producers didn't think that it was necessary. I was just who I am. I was just the character. And, you know, and that didn't affect the storytelling in any way whatsoever. Right. Or, and, you know? it, it, and, and that, I think that should be a part of... Um that's how some a lot of writers should be approaching characters where they should be like it should it should be open and and even like you said like what when they have like what what sounds like a European or a waspy name they can also switch it up I have a friend he's he's black and he was born in Bermuda and his last name is Ming right and like that's something that like a lot of people should consider like you can have people with different last names and they have and they're of different ethnicities and they don't they don't have that you know what I mean so like that's something I understand yeah. what you mean and that's something that I think the Hollywood needs to work on us and writers and cast and not casting directors more like di- directors they have to be more open-minded when with characters they don't have to be saying we don't we want blonde blue eye we want anyone that can anyone can come and audition and whoever we see is this is when they when they honestly say the best person for the role I think that's when it applies because you open it for everyone and this is totally, who you yeah. cast right exactly yeah yeah and and uh, and then and then you know what happens is there's this uh, artistic freedom of just you just go and do it you know right. yeah right. so um, it's again like it's not it's not black and white it's such a gray subject matter and there's a lot that needs to be talked about and uh, discussed um, so like it's very complicated right it is and I think that's one I think that's that's what makes it worth talking about I'm worth fighting for it because when once is we want because we know it's so complicated it, it it encourages us to to try to to talk about it and to do better right because if we think it's something easy we're gonna just leave it there and think it's gonna sort itself out yeah right? yeah so, and what you know I, I just want to say this too like what what's been interesting for me as as, as fancy lee is that people who don't really know the show mm-hmm. uh one of the questions that I usually uh, would get is like, so, uh, oh, okay, cool. Space, you know, science fiction show. Are you a good guy or a bad guy? <laughs> so whatever they were fed, it, you know, in terms of uh, media consumption, like movies and TV shows and whatnot. Right. Uh, just because they see an Asian person, like, do they think I'm immediately a bad guy? Because that's what they, they are accustomed to exactly. seeing. You know? And then I would always tell them, um, you know, it's not so black and white. Uh, I, and then I would just tell them, I play uh, an antagonistic character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, sometimes I'm good and sometimes I'm bad, depending on who you talk to. <laughs> right. And, you know, so, you know, and actors have uh, said this a lot about, you know, playing villains and whatever. You know, they, they usually say, oh, they're just misunderstood, you know, uh, like, and, and that, that's kind of true, too. And. Yeah. I think I think so, I think we I think Fancy's one of the few characters on TV where you know exactly where he stands at all times and like he like and I was gonna talk to you about this because he himself has referred to he he referred to himself as the designated asshole right and and I think the the beauty in in Fancy is like he knows he has whatever job he has to do he he doesn't and he's like if i have to be a complete jerk i'm gonna do it to achieve this and he's like i'm not being a jerk to be mean he's like this is just what i think needs to happen to to achieve the goal and you may see you may see me being an asshole to do it but i don't like he doesn't see himself i don't think that he sees himself as being necessarily wrong he's like you just perceive me to be a complete 
jerk because I'm doing it yeah, this way, yeah. right? And yeah, I, so I, it's, a, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a commentary on how he is he is or he may be perceived by others, right? right. So, like he believes in what he does. So totally, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, right. And I, I wanted to ask you if you, do you think that his that that mindset he has has to do with him being. Um, formerly being a Helen where because and for when he was a Helen like he had he didn't not that he didn't have a soul but he didn't have a conscience and he didn't have a he didn't have a, an ethical uh what's the word I'm looking compass right he didn't have a moral compass because all that was removed and well even though yeah. he was cleansed he he I, I wanted to ask you as the as the person who portrays him do you think that that still had some effect on how he saw things and how he how he went about achieving goals because like everyone is a jerk johnny johnny can be a jerk when he gets ready dutch is a you know what? i think everyone on the killjoys is actually can be like massive jerks when they get ready uh, <laughs> right i think every single one yeah. of them can be massive jerks um so i so it's just that he may have just seen more jerkish than everyone else but i wonder do you think that i had to do with the fact that he used to be Helen. Uh, can you rephrase the question just so um, I understand more clearly? Um, do you think that? Okay, uh, do you think a residual of effect of fancy being Helen in the past is the fact that he's so easily able to compartmentalize? I guess you could say his emotions. Whereas, like he, he, if he, if something needs to happen, he's like, I'm gonna do it and like not get not, let nothing distract me from it. I see. I see. Um, well, it wasn't really talked about uh, once he became cleansed at, at the end of season two, right. uh, episode two ten. Uh, you know, he cuts himself in, in the hand, and uh, he actually starts bleeding. Right. Um, so we we saw that he be, he he got he was cleansed, but. Um, the the residual effect thing, like I wasn't really talked about. Okay. You know, but when when the season three came on, um, uh, we just understood that understood that he was uh, cleansed, and then what happened was the. Perception of the rest of the community changed because it, it, you know, it was an issue of trust. Mm-hmm. That's what it became, right? So, um, you know, he, he, as a, as the lone wolf guy in the rack, uh, you know, in seasons season one, and then he became uh, Hellenized. So he was on like on this different trajectory. Yeah. And then when he finally joined with the rest of the gang again, um, he was even, what am I trying to say? So he was a little bit alienated to begin with. Yes. But because he was, because he's an ex-Holland, he became even more alienated, even though he's cleansed and stuff. So um, that's what the whole character struggle was throughout uh, season three. Um, and then, you know, the one person that he thought he could rely on and trust was Turin. And then he ended up, stabbing you know, him in the back. yeah, stabbing him in the back, so to speak. Right. So, so, um, you know, I would certainly, I would have liked to, uh, have a little bit more of a storyline there about, about, um, more his thoughts on what happened? 
yeah, but but I think it was it was concisely explained uh, in the scene between Daff and Fancy when when Daff came back to get him while he was doing all this you know street fighting and stuff like. You know. <laughs> yeah, he didn't uh, expect what, him to come I back, and he's what, like, "I'm gonna come back." Even though he shot him, but you know. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I don't. Um, I'm talking about season three. Um, so uh, you know, when they needed pilots, yes, Dev came uh, to look for a fancy, and and uh, fancy does say, you know, well, we've been getting a lot of flack lately a lot of shit from the rest of the rack because we're clans that we're different and, uh, you know, it's not right. Um, so, uh, uh, but, yeah, but, but I, I think, I, but, but I think fancy came back to, you know, who he was and the relationships that he had with the rest of the gang, mm-hmm. uh, was, was slowly coming back to normal. Like, you know, there was, there was that, and that's what I loved about, um, playing fancy because he was the figure that always had this like push and pull relationship with the rest of the gang, like with dad, with Johnny, with Dutch, right? Like they, you know, there are moments where they can't stand him, but you know, he does what's necessary. So he, you know, they sometimes rely on him and he, and vice versa too. Like he, he relies on the rest of the team in order to achieve this goal. Uh, as we have seen in season four, right? Just uh, chasing after the Holland enemy, right? Um, so, so I think that's the beauty of uh, the drama in the story. Right. Um, no, I I love I love especially for this season. I I love his relationship. I guess because of the burgeoning friend frenemy relationship between him and pre and to me it was a really good um surprise because like i want i i like fancy even though he is kind of an outsider which i kind of appreciate i i it, to me he he's almost able to get along with everyone which is almost which is almost like a weird thing for someone who has a, a such a I guess we could say standoffish personality. I find he's able to get along with a lot of the characters really well, and I and I think it kind of makes him like a reflection of the characters because even like in the in I think it was the second to last episode, or was it the very last episode where he's with um he's having the competition with Dav, the shooting competition with Dav. I thought that was hilarious, and then is that yeah. is it was it was fun. It was unexpected and it was fun, but it was also serious because like they're going around like killing people but they were like hey let's yeah. make it fun and that's something that they can bond with and then um so i i i like the fact that his character is able to like truly get along with a, a lot of the characters even though that's kind of unexpected from where he started in the show right so it's, it's a nice yeah, I think it's a nice development that's all that's all thanks to our wonderful writers and for them to strike the balance of the the high stakes seriousness of the situation uh, to balance that with uh, this this humor, right? You know, uh, that's that's um, that's pretty interesting, you know. And uh, um, I said this at the uh, Fan Expo event because um, I was being interviewed by either Space Channel or whoever. Um, but uh, I've basically had interactions with pretty much everybody mm-hmm. on the show, uh, pre Garrett uh, Klein. Dutch, Dav, Johnny, uh, uh, Wills. Um, uh, anyway, um, I think the, the only person, person I've interacted with the is only person, 
The only person that I haven't really interacted with was um, uh, Delphia. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, someone asked me, like, you know, if there if there were to be a spinoff, like, what you know, what character would you like to be paired with, or something like that? And then that's what I said. So um, that's pretty interesting. You know, we were and and Mako, I kind of know her from the theater community right. uh, in Toronto. So like, we, whenever we cross paths, like. You know, we were always like, yeah, we never get to see the scene together and blah, blah, blah. And that's like, you know, five seasons later. <laughs> like, um, okay, still. that's it. Um, but um, I, I adore her. She's a, she's a fantastic actor. Like, all these people, Tom Allison, like, I, I, I've known him, you know, for a long time mm-hmm. from the theater days as well. And, you know, people talk about how good he sings and stuff. Like, you should hear him live. Like, I've been to his cabaret shows as well. And, uh, you know, he has this really, like, warm, bubbly personality. So it's a joy to be with, yeah. to be around. But at the same time, like, he has all this talent. And, you know, I met him, uh, I believe, for the first time uh, while I was at Stratford Festival Canada. And uh, he was performing there, and I was just joining the company. And um, so, yeah. Um, so I've been really lucky, you know, to, to have had scenes even like uh, Morgan Kelly who played Alvis uh, uh, Akari uh, in season three um, mm. like I had I had interactions with him and it, about the whole uh, uh, reckoning thing and all that kind of stuff yeah. so you know I've been I've been very fortunate um, to have had uh, you know those kinds of storylines you know and I and I love the I I'm really looking forward to what happens with Fancy in season five because we know um things are gonna change in season five. Like when it comes back it's not gonna the the Westerly we we've known for the last four seasons is not gonna be the Westerly we we've in season five and the characters that we've known are gonna be completely different, right? So I'm looking I I'm Looking forward to see what fancy is going to be like because I I we've seen a Helen fancy, we've seen a cleanse fancy, and I'm like, what could they possibly do with him? What can you tell me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I I can't wait to see season five either. I uh, I mean, you know, I wor- I worked on it, but like I don't I, I I certainly haven't seen the you know sort of like even the rough cuts either, right? So I don't know how it all is going to be put together. Yeah, but, uh, uh, it's certainly been a trip and a half, <laughs> and and um, Adam actually kindly told me something really nice about one of the things um, one of the episodes from season five that we just finished shooting so um, and I don't know I just have to take his word for it I don't know I haven't seen it and be, being an actor being inside of it all it's it's hard to tell right because you're you're in it and you're you're doing it so you don't have that outside eye to go okay oh that's what's happening yeah you know what I mean so yeah. um, so I'm just uh, just as anxious as you all are about, you know, what's going to happen in season five. Um, but there's some really crazy uh, stuff that's going to happen in season five that I think um, the fans are going to really, really enjoy and dig um, uh, because we've come this far and with the storylines. And um, so, um, you know, sometimes it's going to be scary. Sometimes it's going to be, you know, what we do best, like the, the whole shebang, you know? Yeah, so, it's going to be all the feels uh, and emotions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but right now, uh, it, it is, 
even though we knew that the end was coming, uh, speak again, speaking for myself, I, it, this whole situation feels quite surreal. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I I uh, I I made a little speech at my wrap out on Tuesday night um, on set once I finished filming my last scene to be filmed that day. And um, like I, I did my best and I was pretty successful at holding back tears uh, when I was giving the speech, quick speech. Um, but once I got home uh, in the quietness, quietness uh, uh, in, my, in my home and like, because my daughter was asleep by then and I just had a moment to myself just, you know, sitting in the living room quietly and uh, it just kind of like hit me like it's, you know, I'm not going to done those don those clothes again you know the fancy jackets and boots and um i'll never like all these people as a group i'll probably most likely won't see them all together as we were again yeah um you know, people have said, you know, yeah, but season five is coming. That's exciting. But yeah, but that's like the sort of quote unquote final product that you will see. It would you have know, already been done and for us, Yeah. For us, it was the process of making it happen, you know, take by take, location by location, scene by scene. It was us coming together and creating this, you know, starting right. from the writing. You know, and then directing and acting and post-production and music and like editing, you know, like all these, like the costumes, like all that kind of stuff, you know, and makeup, right? So, um, I've certainly had nothing like this in my career. Uh, so there's a lot to process for me. Like this is the, this is the first, um, having had this kind of experience and uh, in a way I feel like I've been spoiled because it has been such a positive, inspiring experience, you know? Um, I mean, there, of course, like if I, if I wanted to be selfish and if I wanted to be greedy, then I wish there was uh, a couple more seasons where, you, you know, we get to know a little bit more about fancy and I, you know, I hope I got to do a little bit more, but I'm just, you know what they say, you know, be grateful for what you have. And so that's where I'm at, um, mentally and, you know, psychologically and emotionally. So I've, um, you know, I don't really have any regrets and I just hope that I, I, serve the character right I hope I serve the story right by being this character um, and uh, I really love these people like they're exceptional exceptional people like I've been so lucky mm. well I you I know you're gonna do great and I'm not oh can can we look forward to you in the next season of the expanse will your character be back do you know or I don't yet? I do I don't know any I'm I'm in the dark and I don't know what's happening I don't know if my character commander Kunis yeah. is coming back I I don't know I the only thing I know is that you know he didn't die at the end <laughs> of season three mm-hmm. but but I don't know what that what that bodes uh 
what that says about about the character and the storyline. I know that because they sort of have to follow the book storyline. They have to stick to their guns a little bit. But I also know that they, uh, the writers, uh, Ty Frank and, and Daniel uh, Abram, they, they get, they've openly said that they get inspired by the TV show as well, which affects their writing. Right. Um, so, uh, I mean, I, I, I loved working with David Strathairn and uh, he's such a great guy to work with. Like he was so down to earth and we talked about pretty much anything like, you know, um, the current affairs and like, you know, political stuff and, uh, you know, theater stuff and acting and, you know, all like we, we talked about a lot of stuff. Um, and, um, I had a really great time working on that show. It's a different, different, different show, even though it's in the same genre of sci-fi. Um, you know, Killjoys is more fun-loving. It's more more fun, but it's good. The, the mood on the expense is more solemn, more serious. And, you know, there's a... Not, that's not to say that Killjoys isn't serious. No, I know what you mean because the tone you know, of the show is a, the tone it, of the show is different, right? Um, yeah. Especially yeah. when you were on when, when you were on, it was like um, imminent death to all mankind kind of situation. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, get what you so, mean. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, so we 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 escaped or we 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 escaped from the ring. So like, and and I was still on um, the behemoth, I think. Yeah, you would have been on the behemoths because there was the drum. Yeah, right. with with uh, with Ashford and um, and uh, Yeah, so so yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I, I mean, you know, I want to go back to the show. Uh, I I love the cast and the writers on that show as well, and uh, um, I I was a fan before I got cast in that show, like from the get go, like season one. Uh, I thought it was so cinematic and I wish I was watching the show like in a gigantic movie theater or something because the visuals are so stunning. They are. Um, yeah. um, so, yeah, I, I, I seriously, like this is not me playing coy and like not telling you what you want to hear. It's like I really don't know. Uh, so I hope I get asked back. But, you know, just like anything in life, like there's no guarantee. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, in between seasons for Killjoys, like after season three wrapped, I, I worked on a, a different show that I can't really talk about. I made a little, uh, guest starring uh, appearance in, um, I think that's coming early next year, 2019. <laughs> and, uh, there's a, there's another show that I recently worked on while I was working on Killjoys, uh, for, for another network. Um, so that's coming up as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there will be like a couple of small projects that I, uh, not small projects, but the small, couple of small things that I did, um, uh, during and in between children's seasons. Um, so that's something to look forward to. But right now, uh, right for now, I'm just going to sort of like allow myself to process this, um, or to, 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 to have this uh, morning um, process mm-hmm. and, and um, you know, just allow myself to be. And if I feel sad, then I feel sad. Like, there's nobody's judging, and I'm not certainly judging Nobody myself. Nobody's judging so, you. <laughs> so, you know, it, is, it, is, it is what it is. And um, so, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to me, Sean. Like, this was so much fun. And it's so great talking about all these Likewise. different topics. So, um, yeah. so, again, thank you. And I can't wait to see what you do next. Oh, thank you for talking to me. And I hope I uh, didn't take too much time away from Man, you. No, this is like, this is the kind of stuff that I love to do. You know, I love talking about this stuff too. So, like, yeah. this is, this is yeah. fun for me. So, yeah. thank you. And, uh, hey. Well, thank you for all your support and love for Killjoys uh, all these years. And um, I, I really appreci- appreciate your interest in our show and, and, uh, and for talking to me. No problem. 